0: Hello there. Welcome back to Pieces of Wisdom a podcast, where we interview Dubbo's role models, icons, politicians, and artists. Today we're here with Mr. Dougald the national candidate for Dubbo's local member of parliament. Thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Absolute pleasure. I'm wondering which one I am. Am I an icon or a politician, or what am I? Both. Both. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Where were you born?
1: I was born in Sydney, actually, uh, and I was in Sydney until I was about five, and then moved up to a town called Mendoran, which isn't too far away from Dubbo, and spent much of my youth at Mendoran.
0: If you could describe your childhood in three words, what would they be?
1: In three words. Uh, free, fun, busy.
0: And why was it Busy.
1: I played just about every sport you could possibly think of. Uh, I also rode horses and lived on a couple of different farms. So uh, there was always something to do on the farm, whether it was driving the tractor or rounding up sheep or marking lambs or sowing crops or harvesting crops, uh, but also did lots of sporting activities. So the school I went to was a fairly small school, but a very active school. So we took part in everything from... Rugby league, hockey, soccer, swimming, athletics, um, water polo. There were lots of lots of things that I did basically every every one of those. So that kept me fairly busy.
0: And did you ever think of being a professional sports person?
1: Actually, Finn, I did. I thought one of the one of the unusual sports I competed in was fencing. Have you ever heard of fencing?
0: Yes, we did that the other day.
1: Did you? Okay, so I was a reasonably good fencer, uh, and. I had thought when I was probably 16 that I wanted to do fencing at the Olympics or maybe at a world championships. Um, it just required probably more effort than I ended up putting in. And I didn't end up doing that, which I regret in some ways, but I had a great time doing what I did at a fairly competitive level nationally. I just didn't ever get to go and do it overseas, which is a shame, but you know, that's the reality for lots of people in sport.
0: Tell us about an experience that shaped you into the person you are today.
1: Uh, look, there's probably lots of experiences. I come from um, one that probably stands out is my parents divorced when I was about eleven, and it was a very traumatic experience. But coming out of that, I guess I got a lot of resilience as well, uh, and it's something that we talk about a lot: um, resilience and the importance of, of young people being resilient. And to me, it's, it's a hard thing to teach. Uh, you know, there's no definition of how you teach resilience. It's about helping young people, essentially doing what you're doing now, talk to other people and, and find out about how they've coped with their lives, take examples from people you admire. Um, and I guess I did that. I, I had um, probably dif- different influences on my life as a result of the fact that my parents split up that I would have had if they'd stayed together. So as weird as it sounds... I almost think it was probably a good thing for me and maybe my brothers and sisters. Not at the time. It felt very traumatic. But the things we then had to do um, to support each other and I ended up living with stepbrothers and sisters and the way we had to develop relationships, work together um, and I guess accomplish things as a family was probably different than what it would have been otherwise. So um, I think that experience helped shape me and in some ways that was because I knew I could do anything I wanted to do, whether it was be a farmer, um, be a professional sports person, be an actor, be on radio or do what I'm trying to do now, which is get into politics. So uh, a lot of what happens early in your life, I think, is about confidence building and believing in yourself. And it's sometimes really hard to do that, but um, sometimes through difficult times, you can actually grow and, and be the person you are.
0: What was school like for you?
1: School was great. I loved school. uh, So I did a lot of my schooling at Mendoran in a small central school, and uh, I ended up finishing school in Sydney and had lots of opportunities there. Um, Again, I I got involved in lots of different activities there, and um, the school I finished at was actually right in the middle of Sydney. So our playground was on the roof of a building. Sounds pretty weird, doesn't it? So we had cricket nets up there and artificial grass, so you could play footy or cricket or whatever up there. But we also, uh, after we were in year 10, we were allowed out in in the city. So I was right near St Andrew's Cathedral, right near the town hall in Sydney, and we used to just experience life in the city during lunchtime and recess. So, uh, again, you see all sorts of weird and wonderful things, but it was a great experience because you're part of a thriving community. So it it was good.
0: Would you change anything about your childhood?
1: Uh, I don't think I would. I mean, it's it's hard to, to think what life would be like if it wasn't the life you know. It's hard to imagine what may have happened if certain things hadn't happened. So uh, I don't tend to think about what may have been. I just enjoy the fact of what I had. So I can't think of anything I would have done differently.
0: You have over 25 years of radio experience and have been at ABC Western Plains Radio since 2008. Tell us about the importance of regional radio content and coverage.
1: Look, I think regional radio is really important uh, for various reasons, I and mean, when we're living in the heart of a, a pretty uh, special region here in in Dubbo, that covers you know right throughout to to Western New South Wales. So. Uh, ABC Western Plains was a really important part of helping provide people with the information that they need. Um, radio, I think, in the future will continue to be important for people of your generation. Obviously, instant digital access is probably what you're more used to, but I still talk to lots of people who talk about the wireless and their love of the wireless, the radio, and the fact that it's it connects them immediately to, to what they want to hear. So um, I think... I think radio will continue to be important. It shares stories not only of emergency coverage, um, local stories of interest, and, and helps showcase people in communities and, and people that are doing great things. Uh, and I think that's one of the important things you hear—not just in news and information, but you hear about the region you're living in and the people in that region.
0: How did you get into radio presenting?
1: Uh, I got into radio presenting many years ago. Uh, I had been a little bit unsure of what I wanted to do after i finished school. I did lots of other jobs, uh, but I'd always wanted to do something with acting or media of some kind. I just didn't exactly know what I wanted that to look like. So uh, I did a couple of different courses. Uh, I tried things similar to what you're doing now, which is a really good way to start exploring whether you like the idea of doing uh, radio. Um And part of that involved uh, doing a course with Max Rowley. He had his own media academy, and he was a well-known radio presenter and voiceover artist of the the decades. So he was sort of around in the 70s and 80s. And we used to record a pretend radio program on cassette and then take it down to him, and, and with other students involved, we'd all sit around and listen to that. So that helped develop that idea of what radio maybe needed to sound like. And you'll hear back when you're listening to your radio programs, you'll hear what you might like to fix next time or how you might do things differently. And that learning is really important as far as radio. Uh, And I then from there did community radio, which was a great learning experience, actually doing it by yourself and got into the Australian Film, TV and Radio School afters and did a full-time commercial radio course in 1991 and got a job basically out of that. And I've been doing radio or TV of some kind almost ever since.
0: Describe the process of presenting a radio show. What's it like in the booth? It uh,
1: depends on the sort of show you're doing. So I've done everything from a basic music information program. Uh, in that case, you're focusing a lot on the music. You might play a few songs in a row. You might be playing ads. Uh, I worked at uh, a radio station at Kuma, Snowy Mountains 2XL, which was the snow station. So We did snow reports in winter every 10 minutes. So that was a really different thing. You had to plan around when you were going to fit the snow reports in, plus the music, plus all the community things that were happening. But more recently at ABC, I was doing a program based around interviews and talk back, bits of music and entertainment, I suppose, as well. So depending on the show you were doing, it depends on the preparation you put in, uh, the sort of um, thinking process around questions you want to ask of people you might be interviewing, topics you might be talking about for talkback, how you're relating to the music, all that sort of stuff's important. And I really like being in a in a booth that's normally quite uh, silent, that's quite um, quite serene. I guess the difficult part is getting used to just being there by yourself. So at the moment where we can see each other, we can talk to each other, but you've got to get used to being in a room by yourself with just a microphone and still being able to convey whether it's happiness or sadness or anger or outrage, whatever it might be, you need to be able to convey that with your voice changes and your emotions. So that's something you learn. But I I think being in a booth is is fantastic.
0: Tell us about a memorable or impactful interview you conducted.
1: Well, one of the ones that stands out for me is uh, George Foreman, who was the heavyweight boxing world champion of the world. And more probably for your age, you might know him as um, the maker of the George Foreman Grill. He was a very famous sports person and I was interviewing him essentially about another boxing event that was happening and I had managed to get him in the United States. So it was a phone interview, so I didn't get to see him at the time, but it ended up being not necessarily all about boxing, but about his life um, as an Afro-American growing up in different parts of of the States and his family, the importance of his family And although I thought it would mostly be about sport, it ended up being a little bit about sport, but mostly about him as a man and uh, as a leader in his community. So I found that uh, that's one that sticks in my mind because I always think of uh, things that turn out slightly differently to what you expect as having an impact on you. And that certainly did with me. So that's one I definitely remember.
0: And um, is part of the reason why you wanted to go to radio is because of these impactful interviews and how they reached you?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess probably, and maybe from uh, hearing other people do interviews. So um, the impactful interviews that I've done, I guess encouraged me to continue loving radio. That's why that's why you keep doing it because you feel like you're helping hopefully make a difference. You're helping communities um, tell their stories, hopefully. Uh, and making a difference in people's lives by keeping them entertained and informed, that sort of thing. So I think that's why I've continued to be in radio, because I feel like if you're doing that and making a difference, you're doing a good job.
0: Could you please tell us why you put your hand up for the 2019 state election?
1: Look, I decided to put my hand up and run for the Nationals because I wanted to make a difference in a slightly different way. So I've talked about being on radio and hoping to help people in a way, and and I I think um, that's what I've probably tried to achieve over the last 10 years here. So putting my hand up to run for the Nationals is a similar thing. Uh, When you want people to represent you, Uh, you don't always get the people you want. And sometimes, whether it's a committee for your local sporting club, uh, whether it's a committee for something at your local school, if you want things to go well, sometimes you have to put your hand up and be the one that says, well, I'll help out this time. I think I can help do things. So I figured that maybe it was time. uh, I've I've been talking about the things that affect people in our region for almost 12 years now. So I thought, well, I have a lot of background and I've talked to a lot of people about what is good or what isn't good about the region. So I'm probably fairly well-placed to be able to help lead discussions on that for the future. And I wanted to continue to make a difference, so I decided that now was the time.
0: And did it take courage for you to stand up to um, put yourself forward for that? Yeah,
1: it does. I think it um, it's it's a thing... When you leave a career, I mean, I'm on leave at the moment from ABC Radio, so I've I've had to leave behind that part of my life at the moment, and that's quite weird. Not doing that because I've done it for so long. Um, so it does take courage to put your name out there and say, "Well, I'm going to have a go at something." And it doesn't again. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's um, you know leading a student group or being part of a process that you really think needs to happen. It does take courage sometimes to be the one to put your hand up and say, well, oh, it's time for me to try and do something. Uh, but I think with with those difficult decisions, hopefully, comes good reward. So that's what I'm hoping will happen.
0: And did politics interest you as a child?
1: Oh, look, only, only a little bit, uh, I guess. Really, it's um, politics is one of those things that you often don't get involved with until there's a certain reason to be involved. In it, uh, so probably as a young person, there were moments I remember where I sort of thought, "Oh, that's exciting," but not really. I was um, I was too involved in doing other things like playing sport and running around chasing sheep and cattle, so um, I wasn't I wasn't really that involved in politics. No.
0: And what would you say to other children aspiring to be elected when they're older?
1: Look, I would say uh, to try and make sure you experience as much. Uh, normal life as you can. So there are probably what I'd describe as career politicians, people that um, think they like the idea of politics when they are quite young and then they often join political organisations when they're in high school and then go through university and all that, you know, all, all the way through they have an allegiance to something that they believe in, which is fine, but often those people don't actually experience real life and particularly for regional areas, if you haven't ever experienced a drought or a flood or a fire, then you don't know maybe what people are going through when they're experiencing that. So I think it's important for people to have had experience in working, doing different sorts of work, connecting with different sorts of people before they go into politics because it means you're actually a better representative of of a cross-section of people.
0: And what are your main aspirations for Debo and its electorate?
1: Look, I think Dubbo as an electorate, and it's a, it's a great electorate, it stretches from Mudgee and Golgong and Wellington through Dubbo out to Narramine and Trangy and across to Timingley. It's It's got lots of potential. It's had a lot of things happen here in the last eight years. And I think the potential is for growth to continue in a, in a really impressive way. So the way I see it, we're on the, a bit of a crest of a wave. So we're sitting just waiting for that wave to decide what it's going to do. And I think with the right people helping guide things... There will be continued growth. There'll be jobs. One of the things I want to see is people like you stay in our region for work. I don't want you to be going somewhere else. So whether it's uh, studying medicine here or uh, another university degree, maybe it's just down the road. but I want you to be in the region uh, so your families are in the region because you know what it's like to grow up in a great place like this where traffic isn't such a, a drama as it is in some of our big cities. So. My, my vision, I suppose, is to make sure that we make our region a place that people want to remain in and want to help grow, and that's what I want to do.
0: In one of your speeches, you said that you hoped to prove that a normal person could have influence and change in Parliament. This made your speech feel personal. Was that your intention? Do you think normal people do not have a voice now?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Finn. I think a part of what I said about um, for aspiring uh, politicians, young people who want to get into politics, Part of being a, in inverted commas, normal person, I think is about having that experience across the community. So, um, you know, I, I think people generally expect politicians to behave in a certain way, uh, but I want to sort of put that back on people in the community and say, well, I am a normal person. I'm not going to change unless you make me change. So people sometimes change their perception of who you are because you're suddenly involved in the political system. So I haven't changed and I'm hoping people don't think I've changed. So I think having a normal person, uh, which is how I perceive myself in politics, is a great thing. And I think a lot of people have probably headed into politics in a similar way, hoping that would happen. And you get caught up in things and and maybe get dragged in directions that wouldn't be the intention at the start. So uh, my thing is to make sure that... I continue to represent the people that have helped get me to this point and hopefully can help me get elected and represent them as a normal voice. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not promising outrageous things. I just think people in the community want to have a person that understands what they go through. So how difficult it is to pay bills, how great it is to raise children in this part of the world, but sometimes you need some incentives to make that happen, how we need to attract more people more professional people to this region. It's all part of that mix.
0: If you could tell our listeners one piece of wisdom you wish you had at our age, what would it be?
1: I think a really good little bit of advice is to be yourself, which is we've sort of talked about it or alluded to that during this chat is uh, I think you can, you can do whatever you want to do. So for me, it's, I've had lots of different roles over my life, including a lot in radio uh, but there's always something else you can do. You've just got to believe in your ability to take on that new challenge, uh, whatever it is in you, even if you don't, you know, people are telling you you don't have the skills, you don't have the wisdom, you don't have the knowledge to go ahead and do that. Believe in yourself. I think self-belief is one of those things that, again, it's, it's hard to be taught. It's like resilience. You can't teach it. You just have to work through things. And I think self-belief, particularly for young people, is a great way of of sort of setting down your own solid concrete roots. Belief in yourself is is highly important. And I would say that's a, a great way of starting and continuing your journey for whatever you're doing, whatever life you choose to do, whether it's here or somewhere else, self-belief is the great way to go.
0: We want to say another huge thank you to Dougald Saunders for coming on. It's been quite the experience. We wish you luck with the election. Thanks for coming.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to meet you both.
0: You too.